0: Tonight we're going to be talking about courageously following God's word, but I'm, I'm, going, I'm going back a little further because, uh, honestly, in this curriculum, this definition of manhood uh, is very powerful, but this first, this first item, this first bullet point when I first read it kind of bothered me. Courageously follows God's word. Well, first of all, who is God? That's a pretty big question to answer. Who is God? What is his word and how do we know it? That's hard. Number three, how can I be courageous in following it? These are all questions I've wrestled with in my own life. And for that to be part one of being a biblical man, I feel like those are all questions worth answering well. Now some of you might have already come across the answers to these in your own life, awesome. You can go to sleep, grab some more pizza, whatever you need to do. Some of us are still wrestling. And I'm gonna talk to you guys tonight. I will give you a warning though. After I tell you what I tell you tonight, you'll have some responsibility in the matter. So after we talk about who God is, what his word is, and how we can courageously follow it. If I've done my job and the Holy Spirit's doing his thing in you, then then it's on you. So good luck with that. May you be blessed. And I mean that. I mean that. So we're in the book of Job. Let's start with uh, Job chapter one. A lot of people don't know that uh, Job is the second oldest book in the Bible. A lot of people don't know that. It's the second oldest book in the Bible in the tradition of, of the writers of Genesis. The story of Job was actually an oral tradition that was passed down for many thousands of years before it actually ended up in written form. So uh, you can think of Job as Genesis, Job, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament. It's not placed there because it just doesn't make sense to put Job in the middle of the story of Joseph, which is the end of Genesis, and then the story of Moses, which is the beginning of Exodus. So wouldn't make a lot of sense. So Job, Job actually appears closer to the middle of the Old Testament, but it's a very, very old book. And the book was trying to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? What do we do about that? Why do bad things happen to good people? So the setting, this is the part of Job most people know if you'll uh, look at verse 20. Job chapter one, verse 20. This is after uh, God and the devil have a wager, basically. The devil approaches God and says, hey, people aren't aren't doing what you want them to do down there. And he says, well, look at my servant Job. And and the devil kind of laughs at God almost and says, hey, the only reason Job's doing what you want him to do is because you've given him so much. Take it all away and it won't be that way. Well, so all of it's taken away. Chapter one, verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe. He shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped. What a strange thing to do when you've had everything taken away. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22 says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. There was a time in my life where I, if you really pinned me down, I would have told you I was an atheist. I would have told you that the big man upstairs with the beard who cares who you have sex with doesn't exist. And you can't convince me otherwise. Pretty arrogant way to be, but that's how I was. I was figuring out work, was climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, I was figuring out marriage. I was a new dad. And I, I still went to church. I still read the Bible. Not a lot. I'd read it now and then, mostly to argue with it in my head. And I'd sit in the pew and the pastor would say things and the whole time I'm thinking like, Well, that's wrong because that's wrong because that's wrong because I was going to church because my wife really wanted to go to church and my kids seemed to like it there. And even even as somebody who would have told you he was an atheist, I didn't have a better way. I didn't know a better way. I was like I mean, I knew these stories growing up. At least my kids will learn them. So that's where I was. And something pretty, pretty hard happened. Um, before I get to that, though, I, I want to give everybody an opportunity to see that they're not alone in the room. So I'm going to ask you to stand up in a second. So you might want to put your Bible off your lap if you if you open to Job and you're like, "Hey, man, I'm ready. Let's do this." <coughs> Uh, If you have or are currently wrestling with grief, having lost a loved one, please stand up. If you have lost a loved one or if you're currently wrestling with the grief of losing a loved one, please stand up. You lost somebody really close to you. Sorry, your dog doesn't count. Okay, thank you guys. You can have a seat. I appreciate you. If you have in the past or are currently wrestling with an addiction, please stand up. If you have in the past or are currently wrestling with an addiction, please stand up. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you. Go Go ahead and sit back down, thank you. Just three more, hang with me. If you have or are currently wrestling with a personal illness, a personal illness, Please stand up. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for standing. Got two more. Go ahead and have a seat. If you have in the past or are currently really poor, if you have in the past been really poor or are currently really poor, and I mean like I don't have enough food in my house poor, can't pay my bills poor, lost my job, scared of I can't pay the mortgage poor, please stand up. Okay. Thank you guys very much. You guys how you like how I said it, like if you have in the past or are currently, that way it's not like, hey man, I got like zero dollars in my bank account right now. You don't have to you don't have to tell me that. Last one. If you have in the past or are currently felt 100% disconnected from God, unable to hear his voice and don't know how to find it. Please stand up. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, please please have a seat. I did that and I, I can't keep track of it in my head 100%, but I think each one of us stood up for something. Each one of us stood up for something. The story of Job is the story of a man who had all of these things happen at once. So, like, it's, it's all of that story that, that we're, all, we're all sharing in at the moment, but all those things happening at once. That way, nobody can read the story of Job and walk away with nothing. That was a double negative. Try that again, Alex everybody can read the story of job and walk away with something personal illness poverty addiction grief it's rough it's very rough but many people haven't read past the first chapter of job so we're going to go we're going to go where no man has gone before <laughs> Uh, My niece at the time, my niece was diagnosed with brain cancer. So coming back to my story, I I was in this space in my life where I'm learning all these things about how to be a dad and whatnot, not close to God, completely disconnected from him, wrestling with my own trauma and difficulty, and, well, this little girl was diagnosed with cancer. And she's eighteen months old, okay? Like it's not like she smoked all her life or something silly like that. Like about as innocent as you can get when it comes to cancer. Has anybody ever seen a really, really, really sick child? I hadn't. So I went to uh, I went to California where my sister was really big time lawyer and her daughter's very ill and she's going into her first surgery and she comes out of a surgery and I'm I'm holding her and she's little, right? She's 18 months old. She's she just started walking around not that long ago. Um, she's got this big scar all the way around her head and she's you know kind of in and out of sedation and stuff, and like uh, I'm standing there and I'm holding this child and uh, <laughs> I got I got mad at God like angry with the creator of the universe, that terrible, terrible, awful, and many other choice words being that could let this happen. Did you do anything to deserve that? It was brutal. And what's really weird is, like I said, if you pin me down as an atheist, (laughs) who am I mad at? (laughs) That's a weird thing, isn't it? I thought it was very weird, thought it was very weird. In Job chapter two, verse nine, Job's wife says to him, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job said to her, you speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. It's a really important part of the story. Job's wife gets really mad at God. And as you'll read throughout the rest of Job, if you care to read, it's a very poetic book. It's kind of difficult sometimes to read it and and really latch on to what's being said in it, but well, It's important to note that in everything that Job said throughout this book, the book is insistent that it wasn't a sin. It wasn't a sin for Job to be mad at God. It wasn't a sin for him to ask the questions he asked. God did not count it against Job that he was suffering deeply and disconnected from him in searching. I'm gonna say that again. God did not count it against Job, that he was disconnected, angry, and searching. I've opened a can of worms now, haven't I? Let's see if we can't fish them out. Turn with me to Job chapter four, verse six. Job chapter 4, verse 6. So his friends come to Job, because he's having a really rough go of it. And so they try to help him out, as good friends would. And so they have a lot of things to say. Job chapter 4, verse 6 says, Is not your fear of God your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? In Job chapter 5, verse 8, another page or two later, Job answers and says, As for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause. He does great things, and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Job's friend and he are, are talking through their great proclamations of faith. All this terrible stuff has happened to you, why you... Bad things happen to good people. Well, we don't know, but let's be faithful anyway. Uh, Job isn't very pleased. Chapter six and seven are basically him saying, that doesn't help, thanks. I know, it's a very, very coarse summary. But if I read you the whole book of Job, would be here for a while, So, so you're welcome to read it. Write some notes about what I'm saying here and, and see if it says the same to you. Job says to his friends, that doesn't help me. Okay, so they try again. Job chapter eight, verse four. Well, maybe maybe your kids died because it was their fault. Job chapter eight, verse four. If your children sinned against him, he delivered them into the power of their transgression. Why do good things, excuse me, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, human error. People make dumb decisions sometimes. That stinks. Have you heard that explanation before? Well, Job chapter 9 and 10 is basically Job saying, well, so what? People make mistakes. I still hate everything. That's what he says. I hate everything. Remember, 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 in the book of Job, here in the good word, it says that Job did not sin with his lips. Which is very, very important. Because if you read Job, it gives a voice to many of the things that some of us in the room have felt when we are disconnected from God. And I want you to know that God doesn't count it against you on the path to seeking him. Job chapter 10 verse 1. This is Job speaking. I loathe my life. Loathe means to hate deeply. I will give free utterance to my complaints. I will speak with the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, don't condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. Does it seem good to you to oppress me and despise the work of your hands and favor the schemes of the wicked? Oof. You ever shake your fist at heaven? What are you doing up there, man? What's wrong with you? Some of us have. Some of us haven't gotten there yet. I hope you never get there. But if you do, I want you to know that you weren't the first. Wow. I also want you to know that God's very big, as we'll find out in a moment. Job chapter 23, because it goes on and on. Like this, This what I'm doing with you guys, it goes on and on. It's chapters and chapters of, of Job's friends trying to justify God's actions to Job, and Job saying, you guys aren't helping Thanks for trying. Job chapter 23, verse three through six, man, this one's good. This is Job speaking. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, he's talking about God, that I might come even to his house. I would lay my case before him and I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn what he would answer me and understand what he would say. Would he be able to contend with me in his great power? I want you to write three things down. Imagine that this isn't okay, this isn't real, but imagine with me, okay? Imagine I told you that here in Greenbrier, Arkansas, at New Life Church, I was gonna have God on a Zoom call all afternoon next Thursday, and we had five-minute slots for men to sign up, show up, and have a conversation with God right here on the screen. Don't ask silly questions. What does he look like? I don't. Know. Mm. Will our technology hold up? I don't want to hear that. I want. I want you to write down the three things that you would want to talk to God about. What are the three things? If you had five minutes, and I can guarantee you he'd be in this room. What are the three things you want to talk to him about? Take a second. Write it down. I'll wait. Don't worry, I won't make you share. Keep writing the three things that you would talk to God about. Hold on to those and turn with me to chapter 32 of Job. Job's a long book, isn't it? Maybe I'm just making it seem long. Maybe I'm talking too slow. (laughs) Job chapter 32. You can see just above that in chapter 31, the words of Job are ended. You see that? Job's done talking. He and his three friends, they have some weird names. I I didn't write them down. Ilfaz and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) They're all done talking. A new guy walks in the room. Chapter 32, verse one, we'll go through verse five. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Job has a good reason to be angry. He's got good reasons to be angry. You have some good reasons. Verse two, then Elihu, son of Arakel, the Buzai, man, they were really good at naming people then, of the family of Ram became angry. So a new guy shows up and he's mad. He was angry at Job because he justified himself rather than God. He was angry also at Job's three friends because they had found no answer though they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he was. But when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouths of these three men, he became angry. So these guys have been sitting around for seven days arguing about why bad things happen to good people. And they've gotten nowhere. Job's still depressed, Job still doesn't have anything, He certainly doesn't have answers, and they've done their best. And I mean, we've flipped through this. We didn't read all of it. It's a lot of stuff, man. It's a lot. I encourage you, if you don't have anything else going on in your Bible world, read Job. Sometimes you'll be put to sleep. Other times you'll be like, I've said that. I've said that before. I've thought that before. I've prayed that before. It's crazy to think that it's the second oldest book in the Bible. But he's angry. And the reason Elihu's angry isn't because Job's upset and hurt. Isn't because they haven't gotten to an answer yet. It's because, if you'll read through Elihu's words, they haven't sought God in any of this. They haven't haven't even tried to talk to God. They haven't even tried to seek what God might have to say for himself. Now you might have really close friends and you might've gone through grief and you might've gone through addiction and you might've gone through losing your job and everybody's got something to say, right? If you've ever lost somebody, you know that words aren't enough. No words can make you better. But we try, man. <laughs> if you're my friend and you've lost somebody, I'm going to give you a hug and I'm going to try to help you feel better, even though I know it's just not going to help at all.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Elihu's mad at these guys
0: because he's a young dude, but Elihu's a smart dude, and he basically says to them for three chapters, What is wrong with you people? Really, what is wrong with you? Nobody can speak for God but himself. Chapter 35, verse 13, this is just just a little excerpt. Chapter 35, verse 13, Surely God does not hear empty cries, nor does the Almighty regard it. How much less when you say that you do not see him, and the case is before him, and you are waiting for him. And now, because his anger does not punish you, he does not greatly heed transgression. Job opens his mouth with empty talk; he multiplies his words without knowledge. In other words, you're still so mad. You keep talking. You keep talking. You keep talking. Blah, 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 like like uh, what is that? Charlie Brown, the teacher. That's what your prayers sound like. what's Elihu saying? He's saying it's time to get real with God. Chapter after chapter after chapter of your idle talk. It's time to get real with God. Do you guys know what God says about seeking him? He says that you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. That's what he says. Now, Job's got good reasons to be mad. His friends have good reasons to try to help him feel better. And they actually put forth some pretty good arguments in the book of Job about why bad things happen to good people. Maybe it's sin. I don't know. It's God. He can do what he wants, right? Uh, Maybe... There's some bigger plan that we don't know about. Those are the three arguments from his three friends. In a lot of words. And they use a lot of words to flesh those arguments out. I don't don't mean them to sound flippant. I just don't have a lot of time. Like I said, I'd rather do this for 12 weeks. But we got one. So here we are. It's time to get real with God. Something crazy happens between chapter 37 and 38. Elihu finishes his speech in chapter 37. And something crazy happens because in chapter 38 it starts, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. So the guys are in a room. They're talking to each other. It's been a long time. Elihu marches in all angry. You guys need to talk to God. And now Job's all alone speaking with a whirlwind. I, I really, really wish there was a chapter 37.5. I, I really want to know what the Old Testament would have to say about the space between chapter 37 and chapter 38 of Job. How do you get from, I need to talk to God, to the whirlwind? And and what a whirlwind. If you guys have never read chapter 38, 39, 40, and 41 of Job, dig in, man. Because God doesn't come in and say, there, there, Job. I'm so sorry you've been through so much. Let me tell you about why. doesn't. He doesn't say that. Chapter 38, verse 2. After he says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowing? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you you will declare to me. Some translation says, if you're a man, stand up straight and hear what I have to say. Who played sports in here as a kid? Okay. You know when you do something real stupid on the field or the court or whatever sport you're playing? the track, The coach calls you over and gets all up in your business, and he's not like there, there, sorry you had a hard day, didn't get enough sleep, your girlfriend broke up with you, you got a bad report card, he doesn't say that, coach says something along the lines of, what is wrong with you? You're better than this, get back in the game, bro, and give me something better. God doesn't say exactly that. He spends four chapters standing in front of Job saying, I am God. I am God. Were you there when I formed the world? Were you there when I knit you together? Were you there when I put the fish in the sea? Were you there? I am God. Now you <laughs> Job's been through a lot, right? And he has his reasons. God sounds pretty harsh. But you know what's really weird about this? Is that it sets Job straight. Chapter 42. Job answers the Lord. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I don't understand, things too wonderful for me that I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you will declare to me. I had heard of you by hearing my ears, but now my eyes have seen you. So I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. What's weird about Job's encounter with God is it's not at all what you would expect. How does that make everything okay? If you've ever encountered God, you know. And if you haven't, then you're still curious. So I'm holding that little baby, right? And I'm angry at God and I have my reasons. So I fly home from California and I go to my house and I'm a little weird if you haven't talked to me for a few minutes, but I'm just a dad, strange. And I say to my wife, who knows I'm a little weird, I'm not gonna eat until I talk to God. And if you haven't met my wife, she said, okay Gandhi. (laughs) She didn't know I had struggled with my faith so much and that at the time, wanting to talk to to God God at all was kind of a miracle. I had decided he wasn't there, and all of a sudden, I was mad at him. And so I was true to my word. I didn't eat. And I didn't eat, and I didn't eat. And I'm not a big guy, right? Like, I was getting hungry. Hungry. Very hungry. And maybe I'm a little bit of a wuss. Jesus fasted for 40 days. I got to three. And it was a Saturday and I had the opportunity and I liked to hike and so I, I told my wife I was going to go for a hike and she goes, you haven't eaten anything. Is that smart? I said, I don't care if it's smart. I'm going to go pick a fight with God. So, so at this point she's like, yeah. <laughs> do you have that life insurance number? Like, a, <laughs> Is that all set up to say? Because this is Colorado, okay? Like, You go <laughs> out the mountains sometimes you don't come back. There are Puma and stuff out there lightning storms and all that so uh, so I did and I had read enough of the Bible at that point in my life to know that when somebody really wanted to hear from God they needed to get hungry remember you you will find me when you seek me with what your whole heart and I love food man when you're hungry, I don't mean this jokingly, when you're hungry, you start to hunger for things that you didn't know you needed. We joke in my house, I like sardines, you know? <laughs> my wife hates sardines. And so I've taught my boys to ask her when I go to eat sardines, and she's like, oh, this is so gross. i taught my boys to ask her, would you eat it if you were starving? She still says she won't. She'd rather die than eat sardines. I told her she's never been that hungry, I don't think. So I go out in the wilderness I. Colorado Springs is a wonderful place to hike. If You ever get the chance to visit there. There's so many good hikes there, but there is a place called Stanley Canyon on the other side of the Air Force Base there between Colorado Springs and Denver. Uh, And it's a canyon. It was the middle of April. And I read enough of the Bible to know that if you want a miracle, you should just ask for it. And so I'm running through this canyon up the ridge and stuff. I'm running through this canyon and uh, I'm tired and I'm hungry, but I'm so angry it doesn't matter. Have you ever been that mad? I was that mad. I've got heavy metal blaring in my ears. And my prayer to God does not sound like a prayer, and I won't utter it here, because there were a lot of curse words thrown in. I wasn't reformed back then. So I'm picking my fight with God. And I'm angry and I'm spinning as I'm talking, and I'm just I'm just exhausted. I get to the top of this ridge, and I I don't know what happened to me, honestly to this day. I still don't know what happened to me, except that I crossed the ridge. And in this canyon, it's April, okay. It's 72 degrees in Colorado and gorgeous. I cross this ridge and this canyon is a winter wonderland. All the jutting rocks and stuff give way to snow and it's just snowy and iced over. The canyon, I guess, had, had protected the snow from the sun. And so I cross the ridge and I enter this canyon and I woke up in the snow. I don't know if I dehydrated myself or fainted or what, but I woke up in the snow and I had I had a dream, I'm gonna share with you guys if I can get through it. I had a dream that I, I finished my hike to the reservoir and I'm like shaking and hungry and stuff and I wrote it down. I was praying for the, my niece to be healed Um, and in this this dream, this vision, whatever it was, uh, I was like at the bottom of this tower and the light was so bright at the top I couldn't see, but I could see white robes and feet in front of me and she was sitting in his lap and all her hair was back. She'd been through so much chemo, she was bald, all her hair was back. And she was beautiful. And she was singing. And what she was singing was, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day here than a thousand elsewhere. And I got my stupid answer to this miracle because she looked me in the eyes and said, I'm where I want to be. And, guys, I don't know how long I sat there and cried. I was gone a long time because my wife was worried. <laughs> but I had peace. had peace. I got an answer I didn't want, but I had peace. And it If anybody's ever struggled with their faith, you know, it's like having two brains. It's like having a part of you that wants to believe and that wants heaven to be there and wants miracles to happen and wants what so many who have so much faith, you want it to be right and real. But then you have another part of your brain that just won't let you go there it'll tear it apart. Every time you have a little bit of faith, it just rips it to pieces. I guess I had gotten hungry enough and God snapped those two things together inside of me. And the rational part of me is like, well, I mean, if you get hungry enough, it's a hallucination, right? It's like, look, hallucinations, like, they don't bring peace. Job got his answer from God, and it wasn't what he wanted to hear, but it brought him peace, and he repented in dust and ashes, and the same thing happened. I didn't tell my sister. I didn't have the heart to tell her. They were doing everything under God's green earth to tried to treat this little baby and make sure she was going to make it. She died about three months later. And I got to share this vision at her funeral uh, and it brought peace to more than just me. And since then, God's been working to bring those two parts of my heart and my mind together. And has been teaching me that my rationality is my tool It's not me. So who is God? What is his word? How do you seek him courageously? Find out? Find out. I will tell you that uh, the Bible's pretty clear. God doesn't speak to you in your comfort. Anytime he shows up and has something to say to somebody who's comfortable, it's usually either get uncomfortable or you're gonna die soon. That's usually the the two messages. Abraham hanging out in his dad's house. Get up out of your dad's house into the place I will show you. That's uncomfortable. The king in the book of Daniel, he's comfortable hanging out in a party. God shows up writing on the wall. What's the writing on the wall say? You're gonna die soon. So, if you're in this room and you need to hear from God, you want that Zoom call? You're going to need to get uncomfortable. It's not going to show up in your living room. I love our church, but it's not going to show up on Sunday where you're well-fed and happy. I have more I could say, but I think I'll just say this. I learned about fasting through a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, a book written in the 50s. If you want a nice punch between the eyes by a Quaker, pick that one up. It'll punch you right in the face, like in verbal form and you'll be happy about it, which is a very strange thing, but he'll punch you right in the face. He taught me what fasting meant. Jesus said, quoting Deuteronomy, when the the devil shows up and tempts him to turn stones into bread because he's so hungry, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. But by what? Anybody know? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what he says i found that to be true. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I'm stubborn or hard-headed, but if I need to talk to God, I need to be cold, I need to be hungry, I need music, and I need to be broken. Cold, hungry, music broken. If you need to talk to God, write those down, because that might help you someday. Cold, hungry, music broken. God never shows up with good news to those who are comfortable. Telling you right now. In fact, it was Jesus who said (laughs) in Matthew 13, 39, a wicked generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it, except the sign of Jonah. You know what sign Jonah had? Belly of the whale for three days, man. Woof. Don't wait. If you're in this room and you need an encounter with God, don't wait. Don't wait for the whale to eat you. Don't wait for tragedy to to strike your life. Go get uncomfortable. In fact, I feel so strongly about this that I have three things I want to talk to God about. I'm not going to make you share yours, so I'm not sharing mine. Take that. But next week, I'm gonna fast. And I'm not doing it, so you guys go, ooh, Alex it's so cool, he's fasting. Jesus is very clear about that. Jesus is very clear about not boasting of your fasting. I'm inviting you to join me. You wrote three things down earlier that you wanted to talk to God about. If you wanna talk to God, my recommendation is Get hungry. So next week, on the 3rd, that's next Thursday, I'm going to start my fast. I'll break it on the 6th. We're going to worship here at church. I'm going to try really hard to stick with the kids. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever fasted for four days, but usually not very good at running around after that but I'll be here on the third at 7 p.m. if you wanna come pray with me. That's next Thursday in this room at 7 p.m. I won't be too weird yet because I want to be a, like you know 24 hours fasted at that point. And then at 8 a.m. on Sunday, we have a worship service for our leaders here at our church. The worship band goes run through, is what they call it. But I'll be here worshiping. And if anybody wants to join, if they've lasted that long through the fast, you're welcome to join. But I would like to ask, if you wrote three things down and you're really serious about talking to God about those things, and you want to join me in this fast, would you stand up? We're about to be a lot skinnier when you see us next. I love you guys. Thank you for that. Go ahead and have a seat. If you didn't stand up and God starts moving in your heart over the weekend and you're like, dude, I want to join you, just shoot me a text. (laughs) Guys, I want to pray over you as we uh, break off into our discussion groups, but I know this feels a little heavy. But as I was praying through this this week, it really stuck with me that If real men courageously follow God's word, but real men have not encountered God, how are they supposed to know his word? How are they supposed to follow him? And you might have men in your life who would sit down and tell you, dude, I've been fired from my job. I don't know what's next. I have no idea and you might be sitting there thinking like, I have no idea what to tell this guy. Super sorry, bro. My first response always is how long are you fasting? Have you gotten hungry about this? Do you really want to hear from God? Let's start there. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for the opportunity to spend time with the brothers. Thank you for the hearts of the men in the room. God, I know that despite addiction, grief, poverty, illness, and suffering, that you make yourself available to your people. I pray God that if any man in this room needs to hear from you that he will seek you with his whole heart that you will break down the barriers to the things that are holding him back and that he will get hungry enough (laughs) to come after you. You are a good God. I'm so thankful that you can stand up to my own anger And teach me what it means to follow you.
1: We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.